0: What do you suggest we do about it? Retribution. We all, better better. we all feel better in
1: the dark. We all feel better in the dark. We all feel better in the dark. Kick your ass! And see, since he's my friend, I'll have to kick your ass too. Since yeah. First, you give us this stupid Poughkeepsie case yeah, I mean, bullshit know, ripoff because he's my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, check it. Let me tell you about these two dudes from Brooklyn. You won't view movies the same way again. Every two weeks, you get something new, and hate it or love it, they break it down for you. Tom DJ and Derek Ferguson, been writing for years, got respect from the peers. Watch these movies for all benefit. Don't watching Halloween, left Tom rather spit. How about a couple musicals or maybe Dennis Quaid? Or Tom's on a rant, directors being afraid. Episodes classic, don't get it twisted. And from the start these two have been gifted. Tom loves Kristen and Derek loves Pam. Tom hates heroes and Derek can't stand. Remakes of movies that don't need remade. Watch out studios, they won't be played. Give it up for T and give it up for D. Coolest guys from Brooklyn, this side of Jay Z. My name's B, hyphen, and it's time to start. Cause we all feel better, better, better in the dark. You remember my costume? All that tight latex? I mean, it was awful. Uh, yeah, yeah, awful.
0: Better in the Dark, spoiler warning. The following program features discussions of major plot points, even the endings, of recent films. If you have not seen the films discussed and don't want to know anything, stop listening now. You have been formally warned and from this point on waive the right to complain, belly ache, bitch, moan, or otherwise whine about it. Thank you and enjoy the show. And the movie fans are going to look up at me and say, help us. Save us from the Michael Bays and the Dowdell brothers, and I'm going to look down at them and say, fuck no. (laughs) Then
1: I'm going to stop talking like Jackie Earl Haley. That folks was Thomas DJ, the man of a thousand voices, once again leading us into a review episode of Better in the Dark. This has been Derek Ferguson, of course, the sane part of this duo. I, I, I had no idea he was going to do that, folks. He just said, go with it. But you what, know, what generally I'm-
0: happens is that when we start doing a recording day, we're doing this on a day that's the first day of spring, yet there's snow outside. There
1: was a snowstorm in, here in Brooklyn this morning. But I do know importantly, if it snowed where you was at, but it snowed yes, here.
0: More importantly for two guys out of Brooklyn, this is the birthday of a very, very special Brooklynite. Oh, yeah. Spike Lee. Spike Lee, it's his birthday today. And those of you who are interested in Spike Lee, we just talked to our man, the grand hip-hop general of Better in the Dark, Mr. B-Hyphen. He is going to sit in with us as a guest on a future episode. We're probably going to record that next month for release in May or June.
1: If we can get the technical details worked out, because as we've said so many times, the guy who really does the technical stuff is Tom. I just sit here and yeah. run my mouth. But Tom is the one that really the burden of a lot of the technical stuff goes on. So he's got to work out the logistics of how to do this. And so how we're going to do this. And when we do, we know we're hoping to do a We're going to crawl, and then we're going to walk, yeah. and hopefully we're going to run. Yeah. And we figure we might as well do it with some
0: people that we're close to. Mm-hmm. So we're going to try to do this with Kalen. We're going to do
1: a celebration of Spike Lee. And by the way, if you wanted to know more about... Kalen himself and his work in the hip-hop music arena, right. please go to b com Because we love b Yeah. He's but the guy, in he's a manly the, way. He's the guy that does our theme song. Yes. You know, so we got to show he much love does it, to
0: him. Wh- he did it without any prompting from us. One day we looked at our email and he's like, hey, I did this for you. I hope you like it. After, After we picked ourselves up off of the floor, floor <laughs> we said we like we, we like a lot. We, we
1: like you. We love you long time. And he's got <laughs>
0: he got a new podcast called the Victory Jump Off Show, yeah. which you can access through his live journal, which is at b livejournalcom dot com.
1: That's right. So or, check or b hyphen dot com. Right. Like Either said, way, go there. One stop shopping for everything that he's doing. And he is an amazing guy. He is. But yes, so here we are on Um, Mike
0: Lee's snowy birthday. This is time for our periodic look at what we saw in the movie theaters... Over the course of the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, we haven't done this in a while, so we yeah. thought that we were about due. Because and uh, besides, there's one film that everybody wants to know what we thought of. Yeah, yeah, I've been getting emails from you guys. You know who you are. Oh, you and Tom going to do a Watchmen episode of? Better the dog, are you going to do? A, well, we're not going to do a whole episode devoted to Watchmen, mm-hmm. but we are going to be talking about it in this episode. That's at the end, because of course you got to give a little to get a lot. Yeah, and see, me, I'm a suspicious bastard, and I know that if we do Watchmen at the time top of the show, you guys are going to listen to that, then you're going to turn this off mm-hmm. and you're not going to listen to the rest of it. So we're going to say that for the end.
0: So over the course of these last two months, yeah, we've each seen a film separately, which mm-hmm. we're going to talk about, and the, both of us have seen two films, but it, it, separately. Right. Um, I saw the throwback kind of road movie, teen comedy, Fanboys. Right. Why? Two words, ladies and gentlemen. Kristen, Kristen Bell. Bell.
1: Did you guys even have to wonder right. <laughs> why you saw Fanboys?
0: You saw The Wrestler, the yeah, uh, supposedly
1: amazing... Mickey Rourke. Mickey comeback, comeback movie, yeah, wrestler. Marissa uh, Tomei. Let's not forget Marissa Tomei. Oh, well, Marissa Tomei, listen. Well, when we get to my review of that, yes. I'll tell you exactly why I like The Wrestler. <laughs> the one thing I liked about The Wrestler. And we both
0: saw the Liam Neeson starring...
1: Action thriller.
0: Filler. Actually, it's weird recording this today after what happened to him. Yeah,
1: that was such a tragedy mm-hmm. to hear about what happened to his wife, Natasha Richardson. Yeah. Who was the kick-ass actress in her yeah. own rights. And you know what I read that really mm. makes it even more sad? What? After she had the accident, they called for an ambulance to come. And she sent the ambulance away because she felt all right. She felt fine. Yeah. it wasn't until an hour later until she started having the headaches right. and then they came back. If she had just got in that first ambulance, mm-hmm. man, you know what I... Just followed I, her original yeah, instinct. Yeah, I was just heartbroken when i heard that uh, folks if you ever get into an accident even though you feel fine go get yourself checked right. out please Well, i think
0: this is a culture especially because of the rising rates in hospital care where the impulse is to not go to the doctor the first yeah, of. yes of course now all of a sudden this has become a political broadcast but it just needless to say our thoughts because i'm sure you and i both agree liam neeson is a great actor oh yeah as wonderful. was natasha richardson yeah. and our thoughts go out to him and his family and our
1: prayers go with them
0: We also both sourced separately the Zack Snyder-directed adaptation of The Watchmen, which is what you guys really want to hear about. But
1: But we're going to make you wait, quite frankly, because we are going to jump right on in, and we're going to start this off with my man Tom, and he's going to talk about... A movie that had a really kind of rocky yeah, history during the production and during the mm-hmm. making—it's fanboys. So, Tom, fanboys, yes. take it away.
0: This is a film that's almost more interesting for how it got, for how it got made, because, because you go back to I think it's episode six, one of our earliest episodes, when we're doing one of our preview episodes that we've since decided not to do anymore. One of the films we talked about. Was fanboys. Right. This has been sitting on a shelf for about two years. Two years. Apparently this was a labor of love by Ernest Cline and Adam Goldberg. Mm -hmm. Who wrote this script about a group of fanboys. One of whom is dying from cancer. They decide to travel to the Skywalker Ranch. Break into it and see episode one. Because (laughs) there's a chance that the kid who's dying is never going to get to see it. They got funding from the Weinstein group. They filmed it as it was. The director was Kyle Newman. They submitted it to Harvey and Bob Weinstein, Mm -hmm. who then said, this film isn't going to work because it's half a comedy and it's half this serious drama about this kid kid dying and how his dying motivates the other characters. Mm -hmm. So Weinstein authorized a reshoot and recut of the film which apparently cut out almost all the mentions of the cancer mm-hmm. and tried to make it into more it of made a, it a
1: straight road a, comedy. A street road comedy.
0: This got leaked out somehow and there was this big controversy where a lot of moviegoers who were looking forward to seeing this film were saying we're going to not go. We're going go. to yeah, we're gonna boycott the movie. It's the... I gotta tell you the truth, after seeing this film mm. which opened on New York City Comic Con weekend I honestly don't know which version ultimately ended up going. I do know that the DVD release is going to feature both it's versions. It's going to have both versions, right. I'm waiting for the right.
1: DVD to come out so you I can might see not, both versions
0: and make up my mind. Derek, you might not want to wait for the DVD release <laughs> really? after I tell you about this film. Okay, well, it, tell me about the film, Tom. <laughs> it kind of sucks. <laughs> it kind of sucks dead donkey dick. Does it, slow a, does it suck and blow? <laughs> it sucks and blows and swirls. <laughs> You remember how we've talked in the past about that outgrowth of filmmakers who saw the success of Quentin Tarantino and kind of
1: didn't get what
0: made Tarantino such a great find as a director and proceeded to make these knockoff of Tarantino films.
1: They thought all they had to do was just put a bunch of cool-looking guys in black suits and have a lot of dialogue with pop references Mm -hmm. and bam, you had a Tarantino movie. This is
0: the first example I've ever seen of somebody who saw their first Kevin Smith film Mm -hmm. and said, I can do this, and not got what made Kevin Smith so great. Okay. The main character is played by Sam Hamilton, is Eric. Eric is one of a group of four kids who were hardcore Star Wars freaks, who kind of left the fold after college, got a job with his father, has a used car salesman, and has become mainstream. When we first meet him, he's at a costume party at Halloween, where he runs into his old friends, mm-hmm. Windows, played by Jay Baruchel, who's this typical nerd with glasses. He owns a comic book store mm-hmm. in the, the small town in Ohio that they live in. Windows' best friend, Hutch, played by Dan Fogler, the stereotype fat guy. You're going to begin to see certain around here, and of course... Linus was the bestest, bestest friend. Mm-hmm. He was going to write a comic book with Eric, and they were going to set the world on fire. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Eric chose to become the car salesman. Linus has never forgiven him. Eric learns on this night that Linus is very, very sick. And Windows and Hutch come up with the idea of doing this plan that Linus has always talked about, of doing this road trip, breaking into the Skywalk Ranch to see Episode 1.
1: The Phantom Menace.
0: The Phantom Menace. The other major character is Zoe, who works at the comic shop. You obligatory country. chick. That ain't no obligatory chick, young man. You she's take a, that back! But she's
1: a cool chick because she's into comics. She's into comic books.
0: Yeah. She's not just any old chick. <laughs> oh, you yeah. take that back. Because we're talking about, of course, the one, the only, uh, the gorgeous, she, the beautiful. Here we go. Kristen Bell in a black wig. Worship at the altar of Kristen Bell or die. <laughs> <laughs> well, originally the four guys go off because Windows has an online girlfriend who... Has an inside because one of her cousins works at the ranch. So they're gonna go down to Austin, Texas to Windows finally meet his online girlfriend, get the information, then go up. But first of course they gotta go off to Iowa to mess with some Star Trek fans. They go to the town that's supposed to be the birthplace of Captain Kirk. Yeah. And here's where we meet the first of not one, not two, not three, but four! Four characters played by Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen's big, fat, spotty ass is all over this film, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Don't get me wrong. I don't have anything against Seth Rogen. I just think that he's being unmercifully overhyped. He's the guy who I can see in another couple of years. We're going to be going, Seth who? We're going to get tired of seeing him. One of the things that's
0: kind of annoying is that this film is very much a spot fest, where a lot of its humor is, hey, look, it's that guy. Yeah. For example, at one point... Well,
1: even in... The trailer's made a big deal out the fact, oh, look, William Shatner's here, and Billy Dee Williams, and Ray Park, and Carrie Fisher. So they go and they
0: mess with some Star Trek fans. They get waylaid in a gay bar, but they get saved by The Chief, played by Danny Trejo. Oh, okay. Who gives Linus some hashish. He sends them off on this peyote trip, and they all start hallucinating, Mm -hmm. and afterwards, the Chief gives the rest of the peyote to Linus and says, you need it more than I do, my brother, because he kind of senses that... Linus is very sick. Oh, okay. They of course then get arrested in the next town, and it's just a whole bunch of shit happens. They get arrested, and the town is run by Billy D. Williams, and they have to get Zoe to bail them out, and that's when Zoe re-enters after about an hour of uh, no Kristen Bell. Now,
1: is Billy D. Williams playing a character? Or is he, he plays Billy D. he plays Billy Williams. Some
0: some actors play characters, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Danny Trejo plays the
1: chief. So I know William Shatner plays William right. Shatner. <laughs> Billy
0: D. Williams plays
1: Judge Reinhold. <laughs> <laughs> they pulled that on Clerks I was yeah. watching the animated series the other night And they had Judge Rhino Who actually was Judge yeah. Rhino. <laughs> they love that gag
0: Then they go to Vegas Because their other contact is Vegas It turns out to be William Shatner Who's looking to do this To stick it George towards Lucas, Lucas okay. And that's where we, of course we meet Seth Rogen in, in this film In fact we meet the second and third character The problem with this film is first off The main characters are types They're not characters. Mm -hmm. It's Windows, the nerdy one. Okay. It's Hutch, the fat, obnoxious one, who at one point when they're in jail, they're each giving ham sandwiches, Hutch commandeers it so he can put the bread and the cheese down on the toilet seat because he's afraid of germs. Oh, What the fuck is that supposed to do? Okay. Everyone is a type, and they're so underdeveloped as characters that when a big character beat shows up, It comes out of nowhere. For example, they're in Vegas and they're gambling. We learn that Zoe has a crush on Windows, which, by the way, would never happen in real life. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. You know what my beloved looks like, Tom.
1: She's an actress.
0: You know what she looks like. She's
1: an actress playing a role. I keep telling you
0: this. (laughs) I know, but I'm sorry. In real life, girls who look like that don't. This is
1: not real life, Tom. This is a movie. Repeat after me. It it's is know, only, a it's, it's <laughs> only a movie. It's only
0: a movie. What do I look like? Do I look like Wes Craven, pimp my own backstory <laughs> for money? I don't think so. And that's another episode altogether. Yes. <laughs> I
1: have no shame here. Remake all my films. Give me money. I tell you the truth. It sounds like you you weren't as easy I laughed at all while watching this.
0: Exactly once. Ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you what that laugh is so you will not have to see this movie. Okay, that's at good. one point that's,
1: they're in a gas station.
0: And uh, to Windows or Eric, one of them has to use the bathroom. There's like a little line. Mm-hmm. The person in front of one of our characters is Kevin Smith. Okay, and he's like going, "Yeah, I know. Isn't it a terrible when you gotta wait for it when you really have to go?" And then out comes a good friend Jay, and a very happy-looking man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kevin goes, "What did I tell you? Mouth like a woman, right?" <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> and Jay turns and goes, "I'm not doing this again." <laughs> Now, La- that's fun. I laugh like a maniac because it totally flips mm-hmm. the Jay and Silent Bob aesthetic. This is what these two idiots would be really doing. Yeah, was, we're really doing if they them, were yeah. real people instead of characters created by Kevin Smith. That is the only laugh in the entire film. Okay. Famously, yes, Kristen Bell does get dressed up as Princess Leia in the slave outfit. Okay. At the very, 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 very end of the film where the most prescient line in the whole film is uttered just as everybody's about to watch. Episode 1, I think it's Windows says to Eric, gee, what if the movie sucks? And I immediately said, you mean like this one? It's a total... It, it sounds like it. The thing that bothers me is that it's one of these films where it's got the impression that our, our wonderful writers, Ernest Cline and Adam F. Goldberg, watched Chasing Amy 15 times and totally missed the message mm-hmm. about what makes Chasing Amy and Clerks and Clerks 2... And all those other Kevin Smith films, great. It's not all the Star Wars references. It's not all the pop culture shit. Mm -hmm. It's not all the weird, smutty situations. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that Kevin Smith does Mm -hmm. know how to write characters. Right, yeah. And and put them in these weird, smutty situations. Mm -hmm. And how they react to it is where the comedy comes from.
1: Not the situations themselves. And it naturally comes out of... The character is not these obvious setup situations mm-hmm. That's designed to get a laugh out of us Right Which doesn't get a laugh out of me Most so called comedies that I see today I sit there and I just say Well what's supposed to be funny about that But Kevin Smith I can laugh And no shit I've seen Clerks made like right. 30 times I still laugh just as hard As when I saw it the first time Which brings us to what I've now learned
0: Is Derek's rule number 15 For any comedy movie right. Everything
1: tastes better with Jeff Anderson in it Yes it does <laughs> Yes, it does. (laughs) Any movie with Jeff Anderson, as far as I'm concerned, is automatically made better. There you go. So to sum up,
0: no. No. Mm. Don't.
1: You know what the thing is? You wouldn't even advise me to get the DVD. No, I wouldn't even advise you to get the
0: DVD. It's kind of funny because that is the second film as many months I've seen in the same theater, which is the, the Lowe's Union Square. Right. On 14th Street and Broadway. The other one I saw there was a little film called The Spirit. And I oh! <laughs> and I'm beginning to think that I should just not go to that theater anymore. Oh
1: God! We'll give it a third time. Third time's a charm. Okay. So now we're going to go into change gears totally. Change gears totally. <laughs> we'll talk about a movie I saw, a movie a, that's supposed to be unfunny. Little thing called The Wrestler. This is the movie I believe it was written and directed by Darren Aronofsky. No, it was written by Robert D. Siegel. Right. This movie, of course, as you folks know, was the one that supposedly revitalized Mickey Walk's mm-hmm. career, and he was up for Oscar nominations. He did win it, the Independent Spirit Award for Best actor and gave one of the most profanely memorable <laughs> speeches, because I get IFC, right. and I watched it when he won. It was a wonderful speech. That's one reason why I don't think they gave him the Academy Award for Best right. actor, because they were afraid of what... Mm-hmm. <laughs> which Hugh Jackman made reference to. Mm-hmm. He said, we have the 10-second delay, but Mickey, for you, in yeah. York, uh, for you it's going to be five seconds if you right. read this movie is set in the world that you're I'm very familiar, familiar with, with yes. the world of professional wrestling, mm-hmm. which is just as much performance art, mm-hmm. if you will. When I tell people that
0: I'm interested in professional wrestling, I, I've not watched a wrestling program in many of the years, mm-hmm. I think the last time I watched an actual pro- wrestling card was when I saw a Ring It On Live event here in New York. Okay. And that was about three years ago. People forget that we know already mm-hmm. that wrestling is made up. What... I go to, when I watch wrestling, it's kind of like a combination of circus and soap opera and kind of like a live-action comic book,
1: all of them to one. Well, that's the reason why a lot of comic book fans are wrestling fans. These are big guys wearing spandex beating the piss out of each other, which is what you read in comic books. Mickey Rourke plays the character Randy the Ram Robinson, who back in the heyday... I get the impression he's somewhat kind of sort of based on uh, Randy Savage. Yeah, I did too. I I got that impression. Back in the 80s, they show us through a little montage at the beginning that he was once very big. He was like up there with Randy Savage and Hulk Hogan and my personal favorite, Rowdy Roddy Piper and Jake the Snake Roddy. He was on the level of those guys. But now, he's like past his prime. He's been in the game longer than he should have been. Mm -hmm. He's holding his body together with steroids, painkillers, various types of drugs. He works out obsessively. He's still in fairly good shape, but Mm -hmm. the body is falling apart. Now he's not playing those big venues like he used to. Right. He's reduced to wrestling in high school gymnasiums on the weekend. Mm -hmm. And during the week, he has a lousy job in a Costco-like warehouse. He packs boxes. He takes boxes off a truck. And later on... So he's like a stevedore, so to speak. Yeah. uh, Later on, he asks his boss for more hours. Mm -hmm. And his boss puts some cutting meat on the deli counter. So, the guy's life sucks. The only real good part in his life at this point is there's a strip club that he goes to. There's a stripper there played memorably by Marissa Tomei. Uh, You know, who he's friends with. And she's in kind of like the same position that he's in because... She's older than the other girls that work at the club. And it's kind of noticeable because you see other guys are passing her by. When we first meet her, she's trying to convince these three college-age guys, I'll give you a lap dance for this and that. And they're calling her, oh, you old bitch. She said, why are you still... Even though Marissa Tomei looks fantastic in this movie. And I have no problem with any movie... That, now, correct me, this is the third time she's been nominated for an Oscar. She was nominated for this film, right? Yeah.
0: Can we please stop the story about, Oh, well, Jack Palance didn't
1: know how to read the real winner, so he just said Versa Tobey. Yeah, that's one of the myths that's been going around Hollywood for years that she actually did not win for My Cousin, Cousin Vinny, Vinny. That her name was misread, mm-hmm. and they had to give it to her. Trust me, folks, that wasn't the case. Right. She didn't win it. Any movie that provides us so many gratuitous nude shots of the Rizzo Tomei. is a good movie in my book. She walks around for a lot of the movie naked because a lot of the scenes take place in a strip club. And apparently she spent time with real strippers to make sure... We have two scenes where she does a pole dance. I think Marissa Tomei just wants to show off her body. It right. shows that even at her age, she looks good. In the movie she did with Tom Seymour Hoffman, right. Before the Devil Knows You did the movie starts out with a pretty hardcore sex scene between two of them. And you say, well, is she going to make a career out of showing her body or what? <laughs> but anyway. Somehow I don't feel the need to complain. Mickey Ross' character has this crisis of spirit because his heart goes bad on him due to the abuse he's put on it. Through the wrestling and the drugs, and his doctor tells him he's got to quit wrestling, or he's going to die. And to give him his credit, he calls up his manager. He says, "No, well, I'm giving up the game because they set him up for a really big match with his archenemy back in the day, a guy the called Ayatollah. Right, the Ayatollah, right? Played by real wrestler Ernest the Cat Miller." Well, there's a lot of real wrestlers that are in this mm-hmm. movie. One thing that I did like about it is that it shows you the behind-the-scenes things. Right. These guys get in the locker rooms beforehand and they work out what they're going to do and what moves they're going to do. And they say, okay, well, you're going to take me and throw me over this and then take me and push me into the turnbuckle and all that kind of thing. Have you ever seen a documentary called Beyond the Mat?
0: No, I want to see it because I've heard about it for years. It's an excellent documentary done by a, a filmmaker who followed three wrestlers around the country for a year. Uh, mm-hmm. Mick Foley, Jake the Snake Roberts, mm-hmm. and a guy named Mike. It's fascinating to watch because he gets full access to these people's lives. And in fact, he did the Mick Foley segment at a key point in Foley's life where he decided to retire from wrestling. There is an actual scene where you see Foley... And Dwayne Johnson working out a match that they're about to have at WrestleMania.
1: Well, you get scenes like this in The Wrestler. Mm -hmm. So when Mickey Ross character decides to give up wrestling, he tries to reconnect with his daughter, which leads us to some really horrible scenes with Mm -hmm. this actress playing his daughter. Evan Rachel Wood. Oh, my God. She just sucks the life. Who, by the
0: way, is going to be Mary Jane next year in the Spider-Man musical.
1: Oh, well, I hope she can sing better than she can act. Never at one time in this movie was I convinced that they were father and daughter. Right. I would have really rather that they stuck with his life in the wrestling world right. and his relationship with Marissa Tomei's character. They have these endless boring scenes with him trying to connect with his daughter, who mm-hmm. doesn't give a shit about him. And let's be honest, he don't give a shit about her. Is this movie good? It's good. However... I don't think it really deserves all the hype that's been getting, and that it got before the Oscar thing. Right. This is the type of movie that Warner Brothers used to do back in the '30s and '40s mm-hmm. and '50s, but they used boxers instead of wrestlers. The over-the-hill boxer who's trying to reconnect with his family, and he's at the end of his career, and he doesn't know how to do anything else. It's a pretty simple, standard story. Well, and the it's not, you thing know, about
0: professional wrestling. Is wrestling is a entertainment that made its place. In the age of television. Although it's funny, remember Barton Fink? Yeah, of course. Torturo is signed to do a wrestling A picture. wrestling movie starring Wallace Berry. Right. <laughs> but it's really not until television that wrestling took off as a national... In fact, it was Vince McMahon bought his father out mm-hmm. and took the, what was then called the WWW app into right. a national promotion. Right. Which killed a lot of the regional promotions mm-hmm. in the country. And we haven't really seen a legitimate view of wrestling. As an actual sport, Mm -hmm. because most of the wrestling pictures have been dumb comedies like Ready to Rumble. The impression I get, not having seen this yet, is that this is one of the first times we actually get a fictitious movie that literally just says this is the uh, industry warts and all.
1: Well, I think somebody like you... Now, me, I used to watch wrestling back in the day, but I watched it when... Hulk Hogan and Randy right. Savage and Roddy Roddy Pike when those guys were active mm-hmm. I haven't really sat down and watched wrestling in like about like 10-15 years so I think somebody like you or right. those of our listeners who were more involved in wrestling than I am would probably get a lot more out of this mm-hmm. than I would okay. the performance by Mickey Rourke but Mickey Rourke is always good I mean I don't right. know people are talking about oh yeah well he was washed no he was never washed up yeah he was a screw up Mickey Rourke and much like Celeste Stallone from our previous episode he was a lazy actor for yeah well he was lazy acting. I'd be hard-pressed to think of a Mickey Rourke performance. I just watched the Pope of Greenwich Village last, oh my God, what a movie. It It took my thumbs. Whoa, man. I mean, Angel Heart. I even like Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Mickey Rourke is good. Darren Aronofsky, his direction is good. I mean, okay, it's an okay movie. I don't think it's this amazing revelation that it was made out to be, but it is right. a solid, good, entertaining movie, and I'd recommend it. So from there we get to the films that we both Go saw. see it for Marissa Tomei. <laughs> hey, <laughs> nothing
0: else. Man. Marissa Tomei. I mean,
1: when you got her walking around for at least 30 minutes of the movie, Stark Raven naked. And I mean, totally mm-hmm. naked. Wow. It's like a wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> so from here we go to the two films we saw. Okay.
0: And I think we'll take them chronologically with Taken. Yeah. Okay. It was written by Luc Besson and Robert Mark Kamen for Mr. Pierre Morel, perhaps best known for his whacked-out, Pacor-based futuristic
1: action movie, Bureau 13. And we should mention that the team of Luc Besson and Hema, these other guys... Well, Luc Besson did one of my favorite movies of all time. He did The Fifth Element. He right. wrote and Bowden directed that. Well, he's, he also did Leon the Professional. Leon the Professional. Yeah, he wrote... The direct. original. La Femme Nikita. Nikita. They've also done the right. Transporter series, which are superior and action And basically, movies.
0: Besson has become like Morell's mentor. This came out in the end mm-hmm. of January of this year. Little movie kind of snuck it under the radar. The reason that I went was because of that amazing trailer.
1: Yeah, kick-ass trailer. Which was
0: just that little clip from the first act of the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills skills I've acquired over a very long career <coughs> skills that make me a nightmare for people like you if you let my daughter go now that'll be the end of it you have a 96 hour what? they're never finding her no.
1: but if you don't I will look for you where
0: is she? I will find you That was the end of the trailer. Bad. That was all... That was all I needed to see. Yeah. I said, I'm going to go see that. And in a day when trailers are just, here's a movie we're doing, and here's the plot! That's all it told you. And yeah. that's
1: all you needed to go see. it. Based on that one scene, I was like, oh... I'm down for this. Mm-hmm. And when it opens up, yeah. we find Liam Neeson. He's living by himself. In, in L.A. In L.A. And he meets up with a couple of friends of his. They come mm-hmm. over to his house for a barbecue right. and beers. And this is one of the brilliant things about this movie I it, love. It's one of the things that I love
0: about this film is it takes the time to establish... Who he is. The life that this guy is leading and his motivations and his wants and his needs. And it gives you...
1: A lot of his background during the conversation he has with the guys without spelling it out. It doesn't do one of them things where it's a computer file and we see everything. No. We get enough to know we that get the he was in
0: Black Ops, right? He was know. in Black Ops. to get the impression he was working for maybe the, the CIA or the D. Well, know.
1: yeah. Well, it's never explicitly spelled right. out, which is what I like. We don't yeah. need to know who he worked for, but we know that these four guys—they mm-hmm. were in the squad. He was their boss, but he retired, right. Because he, he wanted, wanted to speak. connect with his family. Is his daughter, his daughter who who is living
0: with her stepfather and her, her mother here in LA. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the father is doing quite so much, but he's very rich. And the mother is played by Famke Janssen. Famke Janssen, she's a little cold towards our buddy Brian. He goes to visit his daughter on her birthday. He to brings give up her a karaoke a machine. Karaoke machine she be, wants to be a singer. Wants to be a singer. The first thing Famke Johnson says is. She doesn't want to be a singer anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, she wouldn't be a singer when she was 12. It tries <laughs> to
0: explain that, like, oh, no, we'll decide the kids should have their own party, and we'll have a party over here for the mm. adults. And he gives them the, the daughters, like, oh, I love it, I love it. Till the stepfather gives her the pony, and then she's yeah. like,
1: drops the karaoke machine right. on the ground.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was played by uh, Xander Berkeley. Yeah, he was um, a good actor. One of the nice things about this film is, as we we're going to learn later on, Stuart, the stepfather, is not a dick. No, he's not. that's one of those, like, cliches in modern action films. The stepfather or the boyfriend of the ex-girlfriend or ex-wife is a dick. He's not a dick.
1: Matter of fact, he's a pretty decent guy as far as such situations go.
0: He's okay. You get the impression that he has a better relationship with Brian than Brian's ex-wife does.
1: Yeah, yeah. The daughter petitions to go to Paris.
0: Goes to Paris and he's like, I'm not so sure about that. It's very dangerous. Meanwhile, Brian's friend, Sam... Played by Leland Orser, who you, the name might not be familiar, but trust me, you've seen this guy in like. When
1: you see his face, you're gonna know. You're, in, oh, I yeah, know that guy in yes. like
0: fifty different films. Sam has a simple bodyguard job, pays a couple thousand couple dollars for a night's work for basically shepherding this pop star, who's I get the impression is kind of, sort of loosely based on Shakira, even yeah, though the Shakira, name yeah. Shira. While she does a concert in L.A., and he agrees to do it,
1: yeah, because it's easy money. It's supposedly. No rush, just get her from the hotel right. to the concert and back.
0: And we see him, like, calling his daughter, and it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm calling from backstage on this year. And she's like, I recognize that song. Like, yeah, yeah. Once again, another thing I love about it is that in this first act, we get to see some of Brian's skills without it being forced.
1: Because, because as it turns out, somebody does try to assault her. Right. We don't know if it's a stalker or who this mm-hmm. guy is, but he comes out of nowhere right. and tries to stab but, her, but... Brian is there and, and <laughs> takes care of his ass. And breaks his ass in too, yes. quite frankly, yeah. Right. she
0: who at first was kind of cold to him, takes him back, as him come see her and said, look, your, your daughter's serious, here's the number of my vocal coach, here's the number of my agent. If they say she has something, yeah, yeah.
1: I'll finance her training. Yeah, which I like. You know, yeah, she said, gonna... listen, she said, I'm not promising anything. She said, but if these people say that, she's got the chops. Right. Then I'll sponsor her. Which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, what's, I mean... It's not until we get to France that we get the
0: cardboard cutouts. These are characters here in LA. Mm-hmm. These are actual characters. Bassan and Kamen take the time to establish these figures. It's not until, like I said, we get to the actual action part where you get the impression there's almost like a video game aspect to it.
1: Oh, really? You thought so?
0: I'm not saying it's a bad film. Trust oh, me. Oh, we are okay. both in agreement this is a good film. Oh, but yeah. I gotta, but anyway, we'll get to that later. So the daughter, she's been bugging
1: him about going to. You Even though Paris. he's
0: got, I've got something for you too, but yeah. he, he never
1: gives it to her. No, because she's spoiled and selfish. You know, and yeah. all she knows she wants to go to Paris. Mm-hmm. So he lays down some ground rules, which are not unreasonable. No. Here's a cell phone. No. Call me when and you get here. Call me, me every, every night. night. Reasonable stuff. Let me know where you're going. Of yeah. course, it turns out that she was lying to all along. And uh, she's not going to where she's going. She's following YouTube. Too. They get off the plane. And as soon as they get off the plane, her girlfriend starts making the moves on this total stranger who they allow...
0: To to share share a cab cab
1: with... So he sees where they live at. And, of course, the girl is blabbing up. Oh, my cousin is away. We're staying there by ourselves. And this is is where Amanda,
0: the the daughter, realizes, Mm -hmm. uh uh-oh, I'm in a little over my head. Mm -hmm. Because she was originally told
1: that the cousins were going to be there.
0: And, sure enough, they get taken.
1: Yeah. They they get get kidnapped. The scene where she gets taken... You know, most of us, if we heard our daughter Mm -hmm. screaming hysterically that this guy's breaking in Mm -hmm. and now they're coming after me... He snaps right back into his old right. mode, of spy. He hooks up the phone to a recorder right. so he can record all the sounds. And he's telling her, listen, get out of here. Go in the next room. If there's a bed, hide up under the bed. And listen to that. He they're said, they're going to take you. Describe everything you see. He right. just goes bam, automatically right back right. into spy mode, I guess. Yeah, she gets taken. And then he thinks that originally if that they it have something be, to do yeah. with... So he goes to Stewart's house, right? The st- right, and he asks him, "Would well, you have any enemies? Is there anything going on? I need to know about because they took my daughter." And for like about go- five
0: seconds, he's an asshole, but then he calms down and says,
1: "Well, what do you need?" Right, and he says, "Well, I need to get there. He said, "Take my plane." Take Just my like plane. that, he that, said, "Take right. my exactly." So, he gets in the plane, and he goes over to Paris, mm-hmm. where he hooks up with... He hooks uh, up with an old friend, here. who's... Right. Now, he has a desk job. Which he keeps saying over and over again, listen, I'm on a desk now, I don't do that anymore, but it's obvious that he used to be a spy, too. Right. He does learn from Sam, because Sam does some background checking, because
0: one of the things she shouts out is that he has a certain type of tattoo, that they're part of this white slavery trade.
1: Right. Serbians?
0: There were exiled Serbians <laughs> who were operating here in France. <laughs> <laughs> they stopped just dragging people from the Soviet Union. They just grab women who are traveling
1: alone. Especially naive young American yeah. girls who run their mouths too mm-hmm. much about
0: what they're doing. He starts at the bottom, looks for the guy who originally identified Amanda. Doesn't go very well for him, though. He does find him, but he ends up dying.
1: Basically, he starts working his way up yeah. the food chain. He right. figures
0: if he finds what. This is the- what I mean about the video game aspect, where it's just, okay, here's the first level. Now here's the second oh, level. Here's okay. the third yeah. level. All right.
1: But it is a good scene where the guy thinks he's got away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets pasted by eighteen 18- <laughs> wheels. Yeah. The guy thinks he. Got oh it. yeah, because he's like looking up at him and is like mocking him, and then oh yeah, man, and everything like that. Oh man, of course it doesn't help Liam Neeson right. very much, but hey, gets him yelled yeah. at by Peter. Oh, yeah. Yes. He said, don't come here leaving a bunch of dead bodies laying around. He him, well, I'll burn down the Eiffel Tower if I have to mm-hmm. get my daughter back. His friend Sam has told him, listen, you only have a window of 96 right. hours. If you don't get her back in that time period, you're never going to find her. Right. She's going to be in she's the gonna system. Yeah, she's
0: going to be gone. This whole odyssey starts, which leads him all around the city of parts of
1: Paris. There's this whole situation. Because at he- one point, he breaks into this house mm-hmm. where it's all these young girls who are drunk. Because they hook right. these girls on heroin right. in order to keep them docile. And, breaks client, into this, like, and he finds one of the girls like Has mobile, his yeah. jacket yeah. He breaks
0: first into this mobile camp
1: mm-hmm. that
0: apparently of, of prostitutes That they're operating apparently on this construction site That's where he finds yeah, the girl yeah. with the jacket mm-hmm. That leads him to a house And there's a clever way of how he Determines which one of the people Is the people who actually took his daughter Because mm-hmm. there's that whole thing where he hires the translator Early on and you don't know what the hell he's doing It's like I just need you to translate this And then later on you realize that it's a key To how he d- identifies the person One of the things that really impressed me is that Liam Neeson in this film, I used the phrase, he walks like an old wolf. He walks like somebody whose whole life has been hunting. He knows his place in the world, has a hunter.
1: He's amazingly good in this movie. You say it reminds you of a video game. It reminded me of one of those good, solid action movies we used Mm -hmm. to get back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could have easily seen this being made back in the 70s. There's no outrageous stunts in here. Everything that Liam Neeson does... You can plausibly see somebody with his training doing. We don't have any like James Bondian stunts. Like it's fairly realistic.
0: And he also uses his brain as much as he uses his physical attributes. Working his way up this ladder, and he's ruthless. Need I remind you about the scene in The the Dinner Table? Oh, yeah, yeah. thoroughly ruthless about getting this job done. We're
1: not going to spoil it for you guys who haven't seen it, but if you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. Because the way that
0: the script and the way that Morell shoots it is he leads you to expect something that you've seen in 15 other lesser action movies. What Neeson chooses to do instead takes it into another road entirely. There's one complaint, and it's not a big complaint because we're both in agreement that this is a good film.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like I said,
0: I think that there's a little bit too much of like a video game aspect where it's like every single level. There's not enough time with any one of these quote-unquote level bosses. Okay, okay. Where you don't get more. I mean, when he goes to the house and the house leads him to Another house, Mm. and we're not going to go into the details beyond this point where something else is happening, and you know, he beats that guy up. We don't really get a sense of what that (laughs) guy is like. This guy has more dialogue than some of the other villains in this. That's true. Yeah, the
1: guy who has the house where they have the auction. Yeah,
0: yes, and that leads us to another boss who Who, has no lines of dialogue whatsoever. But the thing is, of course, what carries this film is Neeson, yeah, Neeson's performance, is Neeson's physicality is the way he carries
1: himself. It's an engaging plot. And apparently this movie has been out since when? Since January? Yes, you said? January. And it's still in theater. I'm surprised. I think even like last week it made something like $12 million. Yeah. So word of mouth by this movie has kept it going for a long mm-hmm. time. It's racking
0: up in impressive. And one of the other things I did like about this film is that the daughter's friend is an idiot.
1: Yeah, but she The not. daughter
0: isn't an idiot.
1: Yeah, and she learns her lesson yeah. by the and end of the Yeah, and she movie. is.
0: But even as early as when... The friend is like going and like
1: flirting with the guy. Mm-hmm. She's this is not right. We don't even know this guy. And she says that when the guy says, Cats can be expensive while we share one. And her girlfriend is like, Oh, yeah, well, cool, cool, cool. And she says, well, Listen, I don't think that's a good idea. And of course, the friend says, Oh, yeah, but he's so cute. You know, right. uh, okay, well. So we're both in agreement, though, that this is a really good film. If you haven't seen Taken yet, folks, I would not even advise waiting for the DVD. Go see it right now mm-hmm. while it's still in theaters. If you want to wait for the DVD, by all means, get it then. But I'm telling you, it's good enough to go. You're not going to be wasting your money or your time. Trust me. It's that good. And Liam Neeson, he's a wonderful actor. This is the first time I've seen him in, really in, like a, strictly, while, yeah. in a strictly action role. Mm-hmm. I was it surprised makes me wonder he what he would have been like as James Bond. Because he was one of the actors that was tapped at one time talked about taking over the role. I think after uh, Pierce Brosnan left. After Pierce Brosnan left.
0: You get the impression that even if it was before Pierce Brosnan, we would have gotten that same kind of Daniel Craig intensity maybe without some of Daniel Craig's detriments.
1: Yeah, eccentricities, let's say. Okay, So, so we're both in agreement on taking.
0: Now we come up to what you've all been waiting for. Watchmen. Watchmen. Directed
1: by... Our good friend Zack Snyder Snyder who directed a movie both you and I love, Three Hundred. And another film that you and I
0: liked, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. So this is his third. Come out the bat. The script is by David Hayter and Alex C.
1: Based on the twelve issue limited comic book series <laughs> and a graphic novel by Alan Moore, who is uncredited. Right. And Dave Gibbons. Gibbons. The first thing to get out of the way is this is really, really faithful. Yes, it is. One thing that I don't understand, and I've been reading some messages. boards oh, and stuff these, like, like that... Oh, you getting this, like, fanboy
0: backlash against the film, that, which I just don't understand.
1: ...that say it's too faithful. Well, how can you be too faithful to the source material? Most of the time you hear fanboys... No, if you... Wait, cop- wait, wait. wait. Most, most of the time you hear fanboys crying, well, it wasn't faithful to the source material. Well, now you got one that's faithful, so what's the problem now? You know what
0: grinds my oats? You heard about the Darren Aronofsky version. No, I haven't. He yet.
1: wanted to set it
0: in the modern day... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. ...and have it deal with the Iraq War, and it was going to be a totally different plot, you would have heard the rending of the garments from the fanboy community <laughs> like nobody's business. Uh-huh. I've said this before in an earlier episode. You've won. We would never have gotten this fateful an adaptation if fanboy culture wasn't mainstream culture right now. Exactly. So, shut the fuck up. What, you just can't have to complain about something? you have to. Right. No,
1: no matter what you do for them, they're not happy. Now, I use my wife as a barometer right. for superhero movies like this because she doesn't read comics. She only knows about comic books right. through me. When we left out a Watchmen, she said, oh, I want to see that again. I said, what? You want to see She said, yeah, it was good. She said, I didn't expect it to be that deep. Which, to me, when you can reach a person like that who doesn't know anything about the characters or the graphic novel, and you've done your job.
0: Right. And I think it's to Snyder's credit that he gets the bare bones of the plot in that movie. That's one thing that you and I have always talked about is that this is an incredibly dense text. Yeah. That is almost unfilmable because of its density.
1: Terry Gilliam said, Terry the, only, Gilliam said, he, he said the only way he would do this is as a five-hour miniseries. Right. The plot is there. The plot is right up there. We get the plot, we get the origin story of all the, of major, doctor, all the yep. major characters, Dr. Manhattan, the comedian, the, right. you know, we get all of that. We get we, all the major
0: beats of the story. I just can't believe people complaining about, because we never saw the doctor and the news vendor and the kid reading the comic together and never got to see them interact,
1: Where their are deaths you- are
0: meaningless. Fuck you! No,
1: and not even that, but you will see it on the DVD. Yeah, Because Zack Snyder has said that scenes with them were filmed. The movie we got now is three hours and people complain about how long that is. You kind of wonder how much Snyder
0: struggled, Mm -hmm. considering everything that he shot, with what he needed to take out to still keep the story intact. There are some stuff that he changes, including the ending, and I think that the ending in the movie is superior to the ending in the comic. Well, you and I both agree with that. Yeah. I
1: think it's a vast improvement over mm-hmm. the original, because when I first read the story and he got to the ending, I was like, well, damn, that seems to me like a really overly complicated right. to achieve your ends. And this one is simplified. Right. And it, more importantly,
0: it gives one of the characters an impetuous to make the decision he makes right. after the resolution of the plot. And one of the other things that I find kind of odd about the film is that because of some of the way that Snyder rejiggered some of the scenes, moved some of the scenes earlier and later in the film, fused some scenes together, the person that the story ends up being more about is, of all people, Lori Jupiter. Yeah, Silk so Spectre. Me and you have a conversation,
1: yeah. mm-hmm. played by Malin, Malin Ackerman. Malin Ackerman. We've talked about how she's the only character that has relationships to every other right. character in the movie. And we see these other characters through her eyes almost in mm-hmm. a way. Except for And Lord also, of-
0: she has. The one emotional story arc that starts out in the film and is resolved at the, end, result, the very end of right. the film. Both in regards to her romantic life and her regards to her. Relationship with with their birth parents mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie that there are some flaws I think that the person who devised the makeup For Carla Gugino should be shot
1: First of all I didn't like her performance At all Yeah, and, and I You
0: I, know how much I love Carla Gugino Yeah
1: I didn't like her performance That makeup job Zack Snyder being such a perfectionist I cannot see how he allowed that makeup job to pass by Because mm-hmm. it's so obvious that she is made up Also the other horrible makeup job Of course is the Richard Nixon Yeah In a way I think maybe that That's deliberate that he's supposed to be like a character trait. One of the things I think you and I both agree on is that the casting
0: for this film worked incredibly. I think that the way that Snyder went, going with lesser known actors, you and I know who Jeffrey Dean Morgan is. Yeah. You and I know who Matt Frewer is. You and I know Uh, who Jackie Jackie O'Haley is. And Billy Crudup. The average moviegoer may have a vague memory of who Billy Crowlip is, but they don't have a face. A yeah, they face. don't really know who he is. So it, I think yeah. that having these people who weren't known in this movie helped immerse you for fully in the world, especially right after that amazing title sequence. Oh, that
1: five-minute title yeah. sequence. That... To me, is an amazing piece of filmmaking because it brought you up to date. It told you everything you needed to know about how superheroes got right. started in this world. It also shows you some of the divergent points.
0: Like the scene with, with the silhouette after the yeah, war. Yeah, the world it, it, yeah, that was funny. It shows you how the world that got to where it is. And it's wonderful how he also even gets some of like the little grace notes that Alan Moore... Put into the novel, like well, the, the Gunga th- Diner, and well,
1: one of the things that I liked is the scene where Hollis Mason the first night out right. and Dan Dreeberg who took over from right, me, they're having those beers, and you see the little statue yeah. on the table, the ingratitude mm-hmm. statue. Now, if you haven't read the graphic novel, it's it, not going to bug you, right. but if like me, and you we read, I said, "Oh shit, that's the statue right. right there." Yeah, he does have shots where you right. do see the kid reading a comic the news book vendor. and the news vendor, and at the end of the movie, they're hugging each right. other, which is a panel taken directly right. from. Well, there are a lot of Shots that are
0: pretty much the panels of the car. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it's a lot that he gets in. As a matter of fact, I'm amazed at how much he did yeah. get
0: in there. Everyone talks about Jackie O'Haley Haley is so amazing as Rorschach.
1: Mm-hmm. But let's
0: talk about some of the other ca- actors who I thought really nailed it. Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson as Dan Dreeberg Night Owl. Oh, who totally took me by surprise because you know how much I hate the Wilson brothers. Yeah. I can't stand the Wilson brothers, mm-hmm. usually. The, and the thing I love about Patrick Wilson is that he's. Literally two different characters. Yeah. When he's Dan Dreeberg, he's this meek, mild, kind of doughy, almost painfully shy guy. The second he puts on... Once he
1: put on that Night out costume, he's a different... Like I was saying to you when we were talking about this on the phone... His performance reminds me a lot of how Michael Keaton right. played Batman Bruce Wayne Because to me, you look at Bruce Wayne You're not supposed to look at Bruce Wayne and say, okay, well he could be Batman Right. Just like this guy You look at Dan Dreeberg and you say, well he couldn't be Night Owl right. But when he puts on that suit, wow Yeah, he becomes a different man He stands up straighter, his voice gets deeper As Night Owl, <laughs> as Spectre finds yes. out in the outship Yeah, he's a different yes. man <laughs> right <laughs> When he puts that suit on huh? Hey, the play, motherfucker <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He is a different man altogether when he puts that right. suit on.
0: Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I think, really did a great job as the comedian, giving us a character who is totally and absolutely despicable in pretty much every way, shape, or form, but yet managing also to give us something... That we thought kind of cool about him.
1: It's the weirdest thing. You look at him do these horrendous things. Mm-hmm. But in a way you can almost understand why he does it. Because right. he's privy to things that maybe he shouldn't be privy to. Well, it goes back to one of the things I loved about
0: that opening sequence. Is you get three tableaus at the very beginning. You get the tableau with the original Night Owl. Right. You get the tableau with with the original Silk Spectre. Mm-hmm. And you get the tableau with the comedian. With the comedian. Looking at those three pictures tells you everything you need to know about why these characters became, became superheroes. Became superheroes. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Night Owl is in it to make the world a better place. To justice in the American way. Silk Spectre is in it. For the publicity. For the publicity. And why is it... And to meet hot guys. The comedian's in it because life's a joke. It's a joke. It's all a joke. It's all a joke for Mm him. The fact that he is able to, considering all the horrendous things we see him do, he still gets sympathy in that one key scene towards the very end where he's talking with the original Silk Spectre about Laurie, is, it's a,
1: amazing. It's amazing, yes, it is. Like you, I don't understand a lot of the complaints about why people say, oh, well, it's too long. I've heard people it's... complain that they didn't use the GIMP mask.
0: Oh, yeah, for, for okay, the community. Yeah. Which, you know how much like I, do, I complain about superhero films where people take off their masks all the time? Mm-hmm. I think this was one of the few cases where Morgan needed his face. Yeah, I do, too. To get the nuances through about this character. Yeah, like, we
1: wouldn't have been nearly as sympathetic towards him if he had worn a get mask. Mm-hmm. But having that little robin S yeah. mask he did allowed him to use his face a lot more. Especially, he got a lot of sympathy for me during the scene where it's him and Night Owl and they're fighting off the mob. Right. And Night Owl is saying, what happened to us? And he says, it's the American dream. It came true. And you look at his face and there's something in his face that, you know, he's suffering just as much as everybody, but he's mm-hmm. not allowing anybody else to see it. You know, it's an amazing performance.
0: Malin Ackerman it's funny because for a character for all of both our opinions is central she's got probably the most nothing role but she does the best with what it is I
1: have no problem with <laughs> yeah, it I no pro- I've been hearing about how movie reviews would say oh she's horrible she's terrible I think Carla Gugino is terrible I didn't like her performance at all but I really can't think of it oh the guy that plays Ozymandias I think he's worth anybody you see the
0: thing is I understand some of the decisions he was making the idea was when he's in public he's doing the American accent because he's ashamed of the fact that his parents were Nazis. Were Nazis, right. I can understand that completely. The
1: thing is, is that the German accent he ended up using came off sounding, quite frankly, a little fake. Yeah. To me, he came off as being the worst actor mm-hmm. in the whole thing. But Madeline Ackerman, no, nah, I didn't have a problem with her. I thought she was good. Not as good as Jackie yeah. Earl Haley or not even as good as Patrick Wilson. You, you know? know what, though, surprised me is that as... Good-looking as she is in that
0: movie. Mm-hmm. She's nowhere near as good-looking as she is when she's natural. Because yeah, that was a wig. Yeah, that, because she's yeah. a blonde, yeah. you say. I think that a lot of people complained about the level of violence. I think people forget that the book was a very violent book. And, and I think also, this is a weird statement, but follow me on this. Dave Gibbons, I'm sure you and I both agree, great artist. Absolutely But has a very open, clean, cartoony style. Dave Gibbons drawing a violent act like... Rorschach coming across two dogs fighting over the bones of a a murdered child is still cartoony and open and abstract. Mm -hmm. Zack Snyder shooting the same scene, it's going to be more natural. Very
1: grisly. And it's very
0: grisly. And I think it's almost like Snyder wants to rub your face in it and say, you want your violence, You, you want your action... You gotta take this as well. well, You gotta
1: work for it. Well, this is the dark side of superheroes. These superheroes are not all about fun and games. It's not like they beat up remember They established the fact at the end of the day, yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember they established the fact that with the exception of Dr. Manhattan, there are no real superpowers in this world. Right. Nobody has real superpowers. Although admittedly Snyder does a lot of the fight scenes in a very hyperactive style. style. So bones get broken clean through and stuff. Yeah. The scene that they do with the Top Knot gang. Right. Where Lori
1: and Dan just
0: dismantle them. Right. Completely.
1: Well, she kills three people. Yeah. yeah she kills three of them. She puts mm-hmm. a knife in one's neck. And in the beginning scene where we see where the comedian is getting killed. And you see that they're actually punching through walls right. at one point. I remember my wife was saying well I thought you said that they didn't have any yeah. superpowers and I said well they no, amped well, yeah, it up right. a little bit at the fight scene at the end yeah. kicks Rorschach and he goes right. flying like a hundred feet it does something.
0: blunt one of the major story points at the very end of the book mm-hmm. the catching of the bullet yeah, right. in the in the graphic novel the fact that he actually is superhuman is a great shock
1: yeah everybody said, holy shit he, yeah. because it's been rumored that he can catch bullets but nobody's ever seen him do it and mm-hmm. when he actually does it and then that also gives rise to the thing well maybe real superhuman are going to start developing in this world. But yeah, you're right. It's not as much of a surprise. And,
0: okay, Jackie Early Haley, yes, he was was amazing. Mm -hmm. For me, the most amazing part was that he pulls off that one moment where for just five seconds, Rorschach stops and Walter Kovacs shows up where Kovacs says, I know it's been difficult.
1: Yeah, I like that scene where they had that little
0: conversation. Yeah, Being somebody who suffers from mental illness, I definitely related to that moment where he just Mm -hmm. goes, look, I know it's... It's, it's difficult.
1: It's a nice warm moment and you know, Dan holds out his hand. And even something as subtle as... the yeah. ...way that, like,
0: Rorschach will refer to him in a different way when he's out of the costume. And it's almost contemptuous in that first half when Drewberg is out of the costume. Right. Second he puts the costume on again, he's almost... He's calling Laurie his whore in the first half. Yeah. And then when they're
1: both back in costume... But when almost, they put back on the costume, yeah. He's
0: almost deferential to them. Right. Dan,
1: Mr. Pet, Sp- you know, he's like being very, very polite to them. Well, he feels that he's brought them back right. to their calling now. Mm. He's done his job. That's it. He's brought them back to what they're supposed to be doing. They're supposed to be putting on these costumes and going out and saving the world. Right. I just don't understand the backlash, other
0: than it's like people just like to complain.
1: I don't even, Because I, mean, I
0: came away from this film totally stunned, totally satisfied, and thinking to myself that Zack Snyder has now become a director who I will follow him anywhere he goes.
1: Oh, hey, if he makes Little Lulu.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) As a matter of fact, a Zack Snyder Little Lulu might be (laughs) him. I I got to give him credit for this. I can imagine a sex scene between Lulu and... and, uh, Uh, What was the boyfriend's Sluggo. Sluggo. yeah.
0: (laughs) The thing I also like about him is that he's not staying put in any one genre. No. His first film was a horror film. Yeah. His second film was an epic adventure. Yeah. And now he did a horror movie. And each one has looked different from the one before, even mm-hmm. though in some cases they use similar technique. The next one he's doing is this weird fantasy about a woman in an insane asylum who is going off on this quest to find five items that she thinks will free her. Will
1: free her from the insane asylum, yeah. It's called Sucker Punch, I Sucker can't punch. wait. yeah.
0: This is a guy who's kind of proven to me that he's worth watching.
1: And I believe, I'm not sure, I'm sure we can look it up and find out real quick, this is going to be the first movie that he's doing based on one of his own scripts. Right, exactly. I think it's an exactly. original yeah, story. An original story, which I'm really interested in seeing mm-hmm. what he does out of his own imagination. Right. and not. I want to see if he brings the same imagination to his own work that he does to other people's work. I also want to say something about the score here, about the, the choice of songs. Mm-hmm.
0: I know that if a lesser director, if they had this project, would have taken those, because tw- the 12 songs that are in the film mm-hmm. during the course of the movie itself, are the 12 songs, lyrics of which end each of the 12 chapters right. of The Watchmen. So I got that. I realized how thematically that worked. I think that a lesser director would have taken those songs and had your Panic at the Discos and your Kobe Collets and your various pop-pop acts cover mm-hmm. them. Zack Snyder said no, stood his ground, used the original pieces. The original one, yeah. And in fact, it occurred to me that not until the closing credits when My Chemical Romance does the cover of Desolation Row, which is a kick-ass cover, mm-hmm. do we hear a modern voice. And I appreciated that.
1: I got a big laugh out of them playing uh, Casey in the Sunshine Band, I'm your boogie. when yeah. they had the comedian course, coming out there and all along the Watchtower. Yeah, and was- of
0: course, my favorite really subtle moment in Adrian Veidt's office, mm-hmm. where he's
1: kind of sort
0: of giving some clues as to what he's doing to Dan And in the background, you hear, everybody wants to rule the world.
1: Yeah, this is... See, it's little things like that that make a movie for you. Mm -hmm. You know, when you hear that, you say, oh, yeah, everybody wants to... Well, of course, they used to be playing that. This
0: movie kicks the ass, and you people who are complaining and whining, why didn't we see the space squid? Why is there so much violence? What's wrong with you?
1: Now, we should also mention that, I'm planning on picking it up probably tomorrow, that they do have a DVD with Tales of the Black That's Freighter. That's going to be out this Tuesday. They have that, and they also have something called the Motion Comic. The Motion comic. comic.
0: They did this for the weeks leading up to the release, where mm-hmm. they actually had a splash video of the comic. So it's actually literally the comic, but you know. Yeah. You know.
1: I just threw that out there so that in case if you guys are interested and you want to Well, get supposedly. I, I, I definitely want to get the Tales of the Black Freighter. Yeah, I'm Freighter. definitely
0: down with that, because yeah. apparently the Tales of the Black Freighter is an anime
1: yeah, it's animated. Version of
0: the story. Under the Hood is a documentary. It's yeah. As if it was a TV special by the History Channel. Yeah. About yeah. this world. Supposedly, the big special edition we're going to be getting this summer is going to have all this stuff the inter- It's all going to be
1: integrated into the movie we've seen already. It's probably it's, all going to end up being five hours. About, that's what you say. Although, I mean, of you know, course, the they're also
0: talking about they might do a limited theatrical release I've heard that too. I wouldn't
1: mind go seeing it myself. I'd just go to the bathroom and have some yeah. to eat beforehand and then right. I'll go see it. Bring myself one of those plastic bottles right. in case I there gotta you go. go, you know. To
0: summarize, I wasn't exactly thrilled with fanboys.
1: Okay, so you wouldn't even recommend waiting no. for it. Uh, I'm uh, sh- grateful I saw... Shelling
0: out the rental. Let me put it this way. I'm grateful I saw the spirit beforehand because then I would have to put two Kristen Bell films in amongst the worst films I've ever seen in my life. Oh, my God. Probably on the very, very bottom of that list, you know, number like
1: 10 or 15, Mm -hmm. but still it's down there. The Wrestler, I think it's still out in the movie theaters. If you haven't seen it yet, if you like Mickey Rourke, if you're a Mickey Rourke fan like me, you're not going to be disappointed. If you're a Marissa Tomei fan, you're definitely not going to be disappointed. Uh, I definitely want to see this because I want to see if the depiction of wrestling yeah yeah like i said earlier if you're a wrestling fan you're probably going to get more out of it on that level than i would because it does provide a nice insight into the background scenes of how these guys live and how they work it's a good movie don't get me wrong i'm glad i saw it i just don't think that it deserves all the hype that it got but it's worth seeing and we both agree
0: on the other two films we talked about today taken and Watchmen. definitely watchable Definitely worth going to see. Definitely worth talking about after.
1: It's it's still in the movie theaters. If you can catch a matinee, definitely go see it. And if you miss it in the theaters when it comes out on DVD, Mm -hmm. definitely get on DVD. Watchmen, if you haven't seen it yet, make a date. Go see it. Go see it on the big screen. Oh, yeah. Much like 300,
0: this is not a film that is going to be helped by watching it on DVD.
1: I tried to see it in IMAX, and it was sold out. Mm -hmm. It was sold out in Manhattan, and it was sold out. There's the IMAX theater in, Island? in No. Palisades oh, Jersey. Okay. It was sold out there. Matter of fact, I've heard that this is doing a lot better in IMAX than it is in regular theaters. Well, it's definitely an eye
0: candy situation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of spectacle. Granted, I could do without some of the uh, spectacle we're treated to from Doctor Manhattan.
1: Oh yeah, and the big blue wiener, Smurf penis. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that did get a little bit... Well, once again, people say, like,
0: well, that was what was going on in the comic, but, yeah, but once again, Dave Givens doesn't draw like a big old schlong,
1: whereas mm-hmm. we got to see the big old schlong a lot. And let me just give voice to one of my pet peeves... If you haven't seen Watchmen yet and you're thinking about taking your kids to see it, please don't, folks. You don't got to drag your kids with you everywhere you go. And just because you may have seen the trailer and you see people running around in funny costumes, you say, oh, it's a superhero movie. It'll be great for the kids. not for kids. It is incredibly
0: violent. A lot of sex, a lot of nudity. It is not for kids.
1: It's definitely not for kids. So, you rent the 1966 Batman for your kids and right. let them watch that, and you go see Watchmen. And also, it's, there's stuff in that film that
0: is morally complex. Stuff kids won't get. The whole ultimate choice that Rorschach makes, which makes him more than any other of the characters, because originally these characters were the Carlton characters, as we've discussed Yeah, the Carlton characters, right. What Moore did was took the question and turned him into the ultimate Ditko hero. White or black. Exactly. There's no gray. There's no
1: gray. The
0: choice he makes might make him look like a hero, but is he really a hero for trying to block what ultimately ends up happening because of this thing... That is perpetrated. You can talk about this film yeah. afterwards.
1: Yeah, exactly. Me and my wife talked
0: about it for about like an hour. That's why I was looking for my copy of right. Graphic... Because no- now she wanted to read the
1: graphic novel well, what I, After
0: I saw it, I was walking along Myrtle Avenue going to go to the train station to uh, go into the city. Okay. And I saw... There must have been teenagers. And the girl had a copy of Watchmen and the guy was looking over her shoulder explaining things, explaining how to read the comic. Right, okay. If there's one thing that this movie, I hope, continues to do... It's put comics in people's hands and make them want to read it. And make them realize that it's not what we've just been talking about with the people think, oh, it's people in funny costumes hitting each other. It's going to be great for the kids.
1: Yeah. Because at the showing I went to see, there was a guy... With these two little boys. I would say they were like between 10 and 12. And I'm saying, well, does he know what this movie is about? Although, if you're... You
0: remember you telling me it wasn't the graphic violence that caused him to walk
1: out with his son? No, it was a sex
0: scene. Having bodies splattered on the ceiling and the floor and the... Now before... Right. now That's before, okay. Now before but that... Seeing,
1: right. We've seen a comedian right. burn people alive yeah. with a flamethrower, kill a pregnant woman mm-hmm. carrying his own child. We've seen Dr. Manhattan point his finger and blow... But that's fine.
0: two people who are physically fit expressing their sexuality.
1: That's a bad thing. They were seated about right. six, seven rows in front of us. He got his kids and he got up and left then. Right. I said, oh, now you get up and leave. That's the real horror of the world. Heaven forbid that we see two people making love. But murder is fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So go and see Watchmen.
0: Go and see Taken. And I guess that's it, except for the cleaning up. Well, I saw a bunch of
1: other things, but we're not going to go into it Well, that if, right you don't want, if you don't want to. Well, what, I saw W, I saw Australia. Oh. Maybe I'll say that for another review show. Okay. WN Australia because we're at what uh, hour? Nineteen minutes. In an hour the raw and feed, and which means yeah. it's
0: going to be about a little bit over an hour once we're done editing okay. it. Okay.
1: And you still got to do the administrative stuff. That's right.
0: right. So if you love us, if you hate us, if you want to say that you want to see more Smurf penis on the screen, there's <laughs> many ways to get in touch with us. You can send us an email at better the dark at gmail dot com. That's better the letter N. The dark at gmail.com you can go to our message board in fact we're having a lovely discussion right now which was inspired by Watchmen which is about film violence in films that aren't horror films okay. and you can go to the message board at betterinthedark.proboards105.com finally if you want to you can go to our website presently it is com, and leave a comment we are presently in the process of moving our older episodes to what's going to be our new home, bitd.libson.net. Eventually, all of our new shows will show up over there. They also you can leave comments on. So there are plenty of ways to get a hold of us. Among the things you can comment on is the new book that is coming out with stuff from both of us. You're which right. is coming out in 2009, How the West Was How Weird. The we- How
1: the West Was Weird.
0: Which is forthcoming from Pulp Work Press. Nine tales of western wackiness featuring such wonderful things as zombie towns, gunslinging exorcists, Aztec vampires, and a whole lot more.
1: More stuff your history teacher never told you about because she was scared. That's (laughs) right. And this is at Pulpwork Press, which you can find at www.pulpworkpress.com backslash. Yep, index.htm. Okay. So you look for it,
0: and that's coming out sometime soon. Yeah,
1: Tom's going to have a story in there, which I've read already, and which is absolutely outstanding. Naked
0: Latin chicks, people. Yeah. Naked Latin chicks. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: I guess that's it. That's it.
0: I guess that was Dark Ferguson. And
1: this has been Tom DJ.
0: And whatever you do, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter... What sort of godlike blue being you
1: want to trick into blowing up
0: the world? No
1: matter if they kidnap your daughter and sell her into white slavery. Go, go see, see that movie. movie! Good night! Good night. God bless.
0: You've been listening to Better in the Dark featuring Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Special thanks go out to Kelly and Eric of Podcrawlers, Michael Bailey of Views from the Long Box, Ken McIntyre of Movies About Girls, Eric Frome, and, of course, the members of the Better in the Dark message board at betterinthedark.proboards105.com. Better in the Dark is grateful Marissa Tomei wasn't self-conscious about doing a nude pole dance and looks forward to the day when Kristen Bell feels the same. Older episodes of the show are archived at bitd.lipson.com. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, and pipe bombs to betterinthedark at gmail.com. That's better the letter N, thedark at gmail.com. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley. Better in the Dark is a conspiracy productions presentation. All material copyright Thomas DJ and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that a giant psychic space squid is useless without a giant space killer whale for it to fight in a tank over.